So I'm going to speak to you for a few minutes this morning. We'll see how this goes. Um, so I was thinking uh, about something about the story, the story of God that we're in, and how this is God's story. He is the one that is telling the story, and he is the one that started the story, and we are a part of that story of God. We are a part of it. He has a plan for showing us and revealing to us who he is. And I want to start in uh, scripture in Genesis 2 and 21, very familiar. It says, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept, and he took one of the ribs, and he closed up the flesh instead thereof. Let me start with the first line again. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. Who caused the deep sleep? God caused the deep sleep. Did God know what he was doing? Did God know what he was doing when he caused the deep sleep to come upon Adam? Is he the one that placed Adam in the garden? Is he the one that walked with him in the cool of the day? Is he the one that communed with them and gave them instructions. Who did those things? God did these things. This is very important to remember as we go through the story that God is sharing with his people, that God is the one that started this. Let me go on. Let me back up to Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from darkness, and God called the light day, And the darkness called night, and the evening of the morning were the first day. Let me just reiterate some of these points for you in this short passage. God created. It was the Spirit of God that moved upon the face of the waters. It was God that said, let there be light. God said it. God said, let there be light. It was God that saw the light and said it was good. It was God that called the light day And the darkness he called night. It goes on in verse 31. And God saw everything that he made. And behold, it was very good. And the evening and the evening and the morning were the sixth day. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Has has God done a good work? We look at some of the things, and it's so easy to judge what God has done by this situation or that situation or look at um, the darkness and just see the darkness and say, there's so much fear in the darkness. There's so much sin in the darkness. All I can see is just darkness. It's overwhelming. It's too great. But who created the darkness? 
Who created light? Who created the day? God did. It was God that created these things. Now, it would be very easy to focus on just one aspect and say maybe the darkness in this case. But you cannot forget that God is the one that spoke and said, let there be light. God is the one that created the day, and he is the one that created the night. Does God know what is in the best interest of his plan? Does God know that he has a plan for you, and he's the one that is going to bring it to pass? I think man is very short-sighted. Man can only see, if at all, just, just a speck of time. But God, who is eternal, does he not see all of eternity? Has he purposed in his heart to accomplish his will in each and every one of you? When he gave his life for the church, did he fulfill what he came to do? Was there a great purpose in what he came to do? When he said, I'm going to forgive you of your sins, did he also say, you know what? I'm going to have to teach you what that darkness is. I'm going to have to teach you what the night looks like. I'm going to have to teach you what separation looks like because there is no greater thing than being knowing what you're being delivered from. God has to teach his people. What would the testimony be if you never knew what enemy was working against you? If you never knew how great that darkness was? How shallow would the testimony be? Doesn't God, isn't God patient to say, you know what? I'm going to teach you in my time. I'm going to begin to reveal to you who I am. And in the process, I'm going to show you who I am, and I am going to show you who I am not. And does, doesn't that work at the same time? Aren't you learning as children of God who he is and who he is not? Isn't that a wonderful thing? But, you know, you think about it. Going through the experience, it's not always easy to go through the experience of learning what is not. Just give me what is. Just let me see the light. Has anyone ever said that? Just, just let me experience all sorts of love, all sorts of peace. That's the only thing I want to experience. Well, isn't it greater when there was no peace and the word of the Lord came by and spoke to you and brought peace? Isn't it greater when you were sitting in darkness and the word of God came and said, I'm going to pull you out of this darkness? You think about being in captivity. 400 years. And God saying, I, know, I knew that was going to happen. I allow that to happen. I'm going to reveal how great I am. And being in captivity for 400 years and then God saying, okay, I'm going to send a deliverer. I'm going to call my servant, Moses, and I'm going to speak to Moses, and Moses is going to go, and he is going to speak to this wicked ruler. He is going to speak to this king that has placed burdens over my people. 400 years. But God chose someone, Megan. God called someone that was going to bring a great deliverance. And you know, you think about that. The Lord sent plagues to Pharaoh. 
And the Lord began to reveal the power that he had and how great he was. And you look at the deliverance that took place and how much uh, wickedness ruled in Pharaoh's heart. And the Lord showed that by the examples of giving plagues after plagues after plagues. And you watch the hardness of Pharaoh's heart. But was any of it too great for God? Was any of it too great for God to show his power and who he was? It wasn't. It was nothing for God. God, was, God came down and said, all right, my people's been in captivity. I am going to show them my power. I am going to show them how great I am. I have allowed this to happen. I have sent my messenger, and he is bringing a deliverance. How great is that deliverance? How great is it? Can you partake of the deliverance that God wants to reveal in you? You know, you think about Lazarus. He's been dead, Lord. He's been dead. He stinks by now. If you would have been here earlier, if you would have just done this, if you would have done that, I wouldn't be in this position. I wouldn't have this sorrow in my heart because my brother has died. Jesus knew these things. But you know what? He allowed it to happen. Why? So that he could show forth the glory of God and to teach those that were there. And he said, I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection. What a powerful teaching he used in that example with Lazarus to show that he was the resurrection. That if you die, it's all right. In me, you'll be raised up again. So, I think about some of these things with the story of God and going through darkness, going through the journey, going through all of the story of Adam to lead us to what? What did the, all the stories, all the examples, all the examples of the saviors, all the examples of the prophets that prophesied and had the word of God and spoke the word of God, what did it lead us to? It led us to Jesus. All those stories, all those examples are to lead us to Jesus. And then you look at Jesus and he comes and he's the perfect example. He is the one that took on death. He's the one that robed himself in a body of flesh and said, I am going to put off this flesh. I am going to overcome sin. I am going to crucify this body so that this body no longer has the ability to work sin. And I'm going to put you in my body. I'm going to raise up a new body and you can live forever. Is that awesome or what? Let me read something else here. I just spoke about it in Romans. I love the way this says this. As by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one, shall many be made righteous. For, the, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Were you made sinners by the disobedience of one man? Who, who agrees with that? That's what it says, right? So does that mean that by the obedience, many will, were made righteous? Were you made righteous by the obedience of Jesus? Were you? You believe that this morning? 
that because what Jesus did, remember this is his story. It's easy to think, well, let me see what I did to become righteous. What, what did I produce that is going to justify me? Did I pray enough? Did I read my Bible enough today? Did I give enough? Am I righteous enough? No, you're not. Who's righteous? Jesus. Who did he make righteous? Really? <laughs> so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Are you, are you the many that he made righteous? He made you righteous. Sin brought you death. Jesus brought you life. I tell you, I think about, you know, I mentioned earlier about the story. God's the one that caused Adam to go into sleep. Jesus is the one that raised up out of sleep and said, come, let me teach you. Let me teach you how to live. Let me teach you what righteousness, righteousness looks like. Let me show you what the resurrection looks like. Let me show you what life, let me show you what a life free of sin looks like. That's awesome. Let me show you. Because our own righteousness, it's no good. It's filthy. It doesn't, it, it's, it is unrighteousness. But being taught of Jesus and letting his righteousness being, uh, being a part of his righteousness, that's the only righteousness there is. That's the only one that's pleasing to God, is what Jesus did. You guys believe that this morning? Has he done a great work for you, for our church? Has he taught us, this is God, this is the word of God, this is the peace. These things, forsake it. Don't be a part of the world. Come out of the things of the world. Be separate from the things of the world. Don't entangle yourself with the things of the world. Depart from these things and join yourself to me. Come and be a part. Join yourself to the rest that's in Jesus. That's awesome. I'm thankful for the word of God that has come, that is discerning what is light and what is darkness. I'm thankful that his word has come and declared what is true and is declared, this is righteous, this is not. Follow my ways. Follow my word. Because, you know, we have something to follow. And it's not our own righteousness. It's the righteousness of Jesus. It's only his truth that leads us out of death. That's the only way. When he says, I am the way, it's what it is. It's only by Jesus that leads you out of the death. You guys want to partake of the life that's in Christ? Continue to follow. Continue to seek God. Continue to let the story of God be revealed in you. And do not forget, do not forget it is God that started this story. That it is God that caused Adam to go into sleep. It is God that said, it's good. Amen? Pastor, I'm going to ask Pastor Gary to come up this morning and speak to us for a minute here. Michael, what, what's the definition of a minute? <laughs> Good morning, guys. Ladies, how you doing? 
aren't we happy to be part of the church? We talked a little bit Wednesday about um, how much God loves us, right? And John was talking about writing unto those that were part of him, part of the church, concerning them that seduce you. And we were typing that. It ties right along with what Mike is talking about with the sleep and all of those things. We may touch on that, but it's interesting to see how much God actually loves us and why he's telling us this story. This is the story of God that we're talking about. It's not my story. I didn't come up with this. Rick used to say all the time, Gary, we're not smart enough to come up with this. And boy, that's true. When you receive some of the dreams and some of the visions and some of the experiences that the Holy Ghost brings you into, that the revelation of Jesus Christ brings you into, it's not you, I promise. Some might say, well, how do I know if it's God or not? I think Dan just wrote something. I didn't get a chance to read on that, but talking about, is this you, God? It's something down those lines. Did you guys, anybody read that? You struggle with those things because you don't always know. Well, I'm telling you there's a place that God brings you to where you know beyond the shadow of a doubt. The experiences that God brings you into, it defines you. It defines that revelation. And in that revelation, God shows you just how much he loves you. Now, what's interesting, and I got to step back just a minute, because I want to read you something here in 1 John chapter 4. And if you want to go there, you can. Now, I think there's 20 verses. I'm, I'm not saying I'll get to them all, um, but we might if I speed read some of this. But it's interesting how God starts in verse 1. And this is key. This is something that as I grow older in God, what do I mean by that? More understanding, Tim. More wisdom. More, more of the revelation. Does that make sense? That's how it works. I've been asked a lot lately. What do I need to do to come into this? What do I need to do to understand? What do I need to do to obtain these things? You got to get older. You got to grow up. See, we're all in a different order in the things of God. And that's okay. That just means some were born before others. Does that make sense? Because this is a story, right? Well, what's the story about, Nancy? It's about Jesus, but let's, let's make it a little bigger than that. And, I, and, and you got to understand what I'm saying when I say that. What if Jesus was literally the only one? He'd be alone, wouldn't he? But he's not alone. He's the first begotten of many brethren. So does that mean that God has a family? Are you part of that family? Do you see my point? Now, were we all born at the same time, or are there some even being born as we speak? These are just interesting thoughts, right? Interesting things for you to think about. Because I remember Rick telling me one time, like, I came first in prophecy. I was just before you, that's all. Because I asked him, like, why, why are you so far ahead, man? 
Why are you so far ahead? And he just chuckled. He's like, I was, I was born first. I was born first in prophecy. I came before you. But don't worry. You're coming along. And that was it, man. That's awesome. Now, that answer right there reprieves all the pressure, all the stress, all the worry, all the fear. But what is it that still tries to oppose that at times in us? Well, I'm going to read it right here. John said, beloved, believe not every spirit. Ooh, that's powerful. Now, what are spirits? Jesus said, my words, they are spirit and they are life. So wait a minute. Could you have a thought in you, a word in you that is talking to you and it's using the word of God in you? but it's actually opposing Jesus in you? Is that possible? Is there an entity somewhere that took the word of God and tried to use it to his own advantage? Tried to merchandise it? Megan, is that what it did? Tried to use its knowledge and its wisdom and all the things that he attained unto and he tried to be like God. In fact, he even said... I'm going to exalt my throne above the stars of God. Then you tie that into Revelation 12 where his tail drew a third of the stars of heaven. Did he do it? Well, here's the context of it. He never did exalt himself above the stars of God, did he? He never got to the throne of God. He never became God. But in his casting out, he had sowed enough word... That he had persuaded some. He got some of the children. He got some of them that were young. You want to know the truth about why you struggle? You're young. You're like, now that does not make me happy. That makes me mad. Don't be mad. You're young. Would, would you rather be someone young in God or not be in God at all? I think I'd choose young in God. Wouldn't you? So if you're young in God, what does that mean? There's a given there. Who said that? Thank you. You're going, Megan said you're going to grow up. So what do you think you're doing? Are you growing up? You say, well, it's not happening fast enough. Yep, and you remind me of that little two-year-old that's got the pout, you know, and puts the foot down and says, well, I don't like it. I want it right now. That's us. That's, that's us. That's our lust working. But there is a time when you move past those things and you're no longer children. Then, then what do you become? Well, John, John paralleled it pretty well. He said, first, you're children, and you're tossed to and fro, right? You're, if you're tossed to and fro right now, you, you should absolutely know where you're at in God. You are a child. But if you're a child, then you're children of God. If you're children of God, what does that mean? Your family. Now, I'm, I'm telling you something for a reason here. Because this entity is not done. Maybe done in some, but he's not done in all. 
And this joker is going to be around for a very long time. And God intended it to be so. Because God uses him as a servant. But by the time he got some of God's children, it was, it was way too late. In fact, when the dragon was cast out of heaven and his tail had drawn those children, it didn't dawn on them until it was too late, Tim. They were like, oops, we chose wrong here. But it was too late. The power of that entity was too great. And when you're in his lies, Jesus called the devil the father of lies. Now, interesting that the father of lies came after children. That just makes sense, doesn't it? So John said, beloved, believe not every spirit. Well, there is a spirit that you did believe, a spirit that was not intended to be the one you should follow. Who's the one you should follow everywhere, all the time, at all times? Would it not be the Spirit of the Lord? The Spirit of the Lord that has wisdom and understanding? The Spirit of the Lord that, is, that, that will counsel you and guide you and lead you? It's the anointing of the Holy Ghost. He'll, he'll tell you all things. He'll speak the truth to you. You'll have no need that this man of sin lead you because when this anointing shall come, he shall lead you and guide you into all truth. Because Jesus is that truth. But he said, beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits. Try the spirits. Wait, try the spirits? Yeah, learn to discern. Learn to discern. Learn to prove. Learn to test the thoughts in your mind. Learn to test the voice that is in you. Because you have a voice. In fact, you have voices, plural. You ever catch yourself in the middle of the day, you're just yakking away, just talking to yourself, and then all of a sudden it dawns on you, and people are just staring at you, and you're like, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm just having a conversation right now, talking to myself. Because there's a lot of things in me, Right? So what, how do I know? How do I walk through? How do I navigate? How, how do I discern and understand with great wisdom and intent and will and purpose all these voices of the world? Because God set this world, according to Ecclesiastes, in the heart, did he not? He set the world in the heart. So if there's many voices in that world, Tim, then we have to be careful which ones we fellowship, which ones we listen to, which ones guide us. That's why Psalms 55 is so important when David talked about, I went to church with my friend. I thought this guy was my friend. I found out he was my enemy. And when you find out he's your enemy and you know that he's your enemy, guess what he does to you? He turns on you, doesn't he, Micah? He turns on you. He's not your friend anymore. In fact, then he shows his true colors. And boy, you are shocked when all of these thoughts and all of these imaginations and all these things start rising up in you and you're like, where the heck did all this come from, man? I feel wicked right now. Now, maybe you haven't went through this yet. Maybe you, your time is coming and you're like, nope, nope, not, not grabbing that ticket. Nope, you guys can have that. Well, I'll, I'll put it into perspective. Some of us, Punch that ticket because we're called to ministry. And if you're not called at this time to ministry, you may not 
ever be required to punch that particular ticket. Now, does that bring you great relief? Or do you say, oh, wait a minute now, let me rethink this. Because I, so actually, Marvin, you, you mind if I share real quick? Marvin told me the other day, I, I don't, I don't uh, yeah, I don't think I'm, uh, I'm called to be up there like you guys. I said, hold on now. Let's talk about this. Now, do you see how that reasons together? Now, how do you know that, Marvin? How do you know that? Did God tell you that? Or was that just one of these spirits chatting with you a little bit? So is it important that you got to talk to the right spirit? The spirit, Keith, of just men made perfect. You say, well, I can't talk to God. I don't know, God. You know that elder of God back there, Keith Hickey. And I tell you what, you talk to him, he'll guide you right because he's a right spirit. Now am I preaching to you? You talk to Daniel, and I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to talk to a Holy Ghost spirit of God. That has experienced wonderful things in the Lord. And he's going to guide you with temperance and knowledge of the holy. Not knowledge of the carnal mind. Knowledge of the holy. And he's going to interpret things for you. He's going to guide you. He's going to lead you. The anointing in him is going to teach you. I ain't never seen a guy able to break it down to the nth degree. In the, all the way to the earth. Right where you live. And make it so plain Oh, you know, I probably shouldn't say it, but they got these books called, you know, so-and-so for dummies. Dan can bring it right down to dummy level because he's done it for me. Like, I'd be, oh, what the heck? I don't know what that means. What is it? Here, let me teach you. Boom. Oh, got it. And once you, once you get the Holy Ghost and the Lord starts becoming that teacher, then God, God starts to guide you. And then when you, when you listen to the guy teach, you're like, oh, okay. But then it evolves because the anointing quickens you and takes you in. Half of what he teaches, I don't even physically hear. Because I'm in the Holy Ghost. I'm in visions. I'm, I'm, I'm in the angel. I'm in the Lord. I'm in the kingdom. I'm in the new Jerusalem. I'm, I'm hearing things from God. That's where we want to be, right? But here's the catch. These spirits... And here, here's how John defied them. Many false prophets. So he tells you, don't believe every spirit because there are many false prophets gone out into the world. Many false prophets. This is what's talking to us in this world? Is that what it is, Tim? And you know what they're doing, right? Those spirits are recruiting you to join with them. In other words, if you could imagine Jezebel having a table with 450 prophets and she is one of those spirits working in you, guess what she's attempting to do? She's attempting to recruit you for her table. Now, how would you like to pull up a chair to Jezebel's table and be one of her false prophets or false prophetesses? Can't leave the women out. I mean, I'm talking Jezebel. You don't want to do that. But if that has happened or if it's about to happen or it's in the progress of happening, the word of the Lord comes as a savior to you to help you overcome that. And that's the point of everything I'm leading to here this morning. 
So let me try to move through this because there's something I want to get to. Hereby know you the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. There you go. Every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. You say, that, that doesn't sound very profound. Oh, yes, it is very profound because when God begot Christ, when God begot Jesus and put him from spirit into a body and he was brought into that heavenly world, it caused things to happen. And this Lucifer, calling what you will, this dragon did not like it because he wanted to be first. He wanted to be the preeminent one. I was in a dream in Boise just recently. And I was in this dream where, and I'm not going to tell the whole dream because it's not time for that. But I can tell you that there was a spirit there. There were two spirits there. There was one spirit that worked of this particular entity that we're referencing. And there was the Lord Jesus. And it was in regards to the burning ones. And one had great desire to take the place of the other. One wanted to replace Jesus. That was his primary desire. But it was never going to happen. It was never going to happen. Nothing will ever take the place of Jesus. Ever. Jesus is the high one, Keith. He's the highest one of them all. Here's the interesting part, though. Why at times do we get seduced and these thoughts work in us? Because that presence, that entity, that thought is still there. Thinking I can do it another way. Jesus said, you come another way other than through me, you're a thief and a robber. I am the door of heaven, Jesus said. So it's interesting when you have dreams trying to climb through windows and you got thieves trying to climb through windows and it's in the dark. That everything's dark. There's no light. You got, you got wicked strangers, wicked, wicked men climbing through windows and trying to break into your house. I mean, read the parable, man. You got spirits in you that are trying to get into your house. Because they want that house so they can be in control. They can be in charge. They can have the preeminence. What you got to understand is that when Jesus Christ came, he burned up the house of the old man. And he created a new one. It's called the New Jerusalem. And guess what doesn't get allowed anymore in the New Jerusalem? Devils. Devils aren't allowed there. Unclean spirits are not allowed there. Now you imagine your house being such. Being such that there's no more devil. There's no more unclean spirits. See, you, you might not want to think that unclean spirits work in your thought. But if you're truly, truly honest. And you humble yourself before the Lord and cast yourself at the mercy of the court. It's okay for you to come to the acknowledgement. Father. I've had some really unclean thoughts working in me. And God's like, yeah, I know. I know. There was a wicked one that sowed them to you. Got you when you were a child. Took you away from your father. But it's okay. I've had a plan from the very beginning to get you back. And that's what God's doing right now. 
God's not only getting his son back, he's going to get all the children of the son back. He's going to get all his sons back. That's because God loves us. God loves us. The devil hates us. That means the devil hates God. But because God loves us, ain't nothing, Keith, the devil can do to stop what God's put in motion. Now, there might be a time where the devil causes a delay, Micah. Because there are certain intents, there are certain wills, there are certain lusts, there are certain thoughts. There's just certain things that work in you that want to go a different way. That's why you need to learn how to discern spirits. And if you can't discern spirits, you better find someone that can. Because I can tell you when you're talking, spirits are being discerned. Spirits are being discerned so fast at this point. Spirits, uh uh-huh, I see you, I know you. Oh, I got you. And you say, well, Gary, why don't you guys just slap it right there on the spot? Uh Uh-huh. We've heard that before. We slap it. Then you get pissed off. You get mad. You hate us for weeks. Why'd you do that? I love that. That's why we don't always deal with it. What, What am I telling you? I need you to come to the place where you want that thing addressed. And when you get so fed up of spirits working in you, malice and strife and lust of all kinds, when you get tired of it, you come to the end of yourself like that prodigal son. Trust me when I tell you, I don't care what curse is working in you. When you get sick of being in it, you'll cry out to God and say, God, I'm done. Please, please save me. And then we'll have some very honest conversation. And guess what we'll do? We'll sit down and break bread together. And yes, we'll talk about Jesus. And we will discern that devil. And it'll blow your mind. Two years Rick did that for me. Two years, two days a week, several hours every day. Two years. Because I was full of devils. Full of them. And people say, well, I don't know if I can do this. If God could do it here, I promise you he can do it in you. And that's not, that's not being arrogant. That's just boasting in the Lord. That's the grace of what God has done. Now, obviously, oh, man, we saw it tons of time. Never mind. All right. He said this. Every spirit that confess not that Jesus come in the flesh is not of God. This is the spirit of Antichrist. You say, well, in my avatar, there's a lot of wicked thoughts. Yeah, but God is there. Micah, you talked about it. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Jesus said a heaven is like unto a man. So what did God create there? He created a man. This is the beginning of the creation of God. Jesus Christ himself being that man, being that perfect man. God created him heavenly. He begot him. He put everything of himself into this Jesus. Because now they are one. And now what I'm talking about took place a long, long time ago. Jesus is God. Make no mistake about it. But he's the image of the invisible. Imagine. John said no man has seen God at any time. But yet John turned around and said we've seen him. We've seen him. Where did they see God? Where did they see God, Nancy? When you get to heaven and you're before the throne of God and the angels of God are there, the elders are there, the cherubims are there, the living creatures are there. 
How are you going to see God? You're going to see, just like Revelation 4 says, one that sits upon that throne, huh, Dave? There's your God. Because God dwells in the person and body of Jesus Christ. You say, wait a minute, are there, aren't there three thrones, thrones there? Well, actually, there's a lot, lot of thrones there. But the one that matters above them all is the one Jesus sits on. Because he's the image of the invisible. He's the express image of his person. So you're going to see him there and he will appear to you. Didn't I tell you Wednesday night that we're just, we're just waiting to see Jesus? We're waiting for the appearing of the Lord? You want to know what you're going to be? You want to know who you are? You want to know what eternity is going to be like? See Jesus. I'm telling you right now, when you see Jesus, you see eternity. You can see eternity in his eyes. It goes on forever. You can see all the stars. You can see all the creation of God. They're all in him. They're all in him. Because he's the ultimate one. He's the express image of everything God is. But remember, I said he's not alone. So what's now in him? If he's the first begotten of many brethren, that means he begot some brothers. God in him begot some sons. Some brothers. Could you imagine being a brother of Jesus in the heavenly realm? Oh, man. Don't worry, ladies. We're not leaving you out because you're there too. There's a lot to say here this morning, but I got to keep moving. Because Sunday morning, you know, we get hungry after a certain amount of time, don't we? So he said this, you're of God, little children, and you've overcome them. Talking about Antichrist, talking about false prophets. This is everything Rick talked about in Deuteronomy 13. Have you ever really, really looked at the aspects of the soul? The aspects of the soul that work under the authority and power of a seductive false prophet, if they yield themselves, is what I'm saying. Thing is, in the fall, that's exactly what you did. And now in Adam, whom is many, that's his name, in whom is many, you see the entire genealogy go out, Eve being the mother of all living. Now you see these aspects of the soul. You see the wife, you see the brother, you see the son, you see the daughter, you see the friend. You see all these aspects of the soul. How many have ever had dreams where you're dealing with those you know? Your brothers, your sisters, your friends. How many have ever had dreams where you're dealing with old friends from long ago? Old friends? Well, my Bible tells me that... Uh, Friendship with the world is, makes you an enemy of God. Could you be dealing with some enemy thoughts? Have some enemy spirits risen up in you? And they're talking to you? And before you just cast that dream aside, is it possible that God's talking to you about some old friends, some old thoughts that used to seduce you a long time ago and they're trying to knock back on the door? Pay attention. Try them spirits. Discern them spirits. Because at every turn, there's something talking to you, isn't there? You know, I, I read recently where a scientist said that the average adult has 80,000 thoughts a day. 80,000. Now, what was awesome, 
Where's, where's Kaylee? Kaylee's, where's she in Sunday school? Kay, Callie? Man, we are just butchering you this morning, aren't we, with your name. My, I blame Micah for that. No, I don't blame Micah. That's my fault. Um, so Callie, Callie was back there and Callie said, well, what about me? I'm just a kid. How many thoughts do I have? I said, cut it in half. She's like, nope, nope. I think I have even more than that. And here's the interesting question. I said, how many of them are good? How many of them bad? She said, 50, 50. <laughs> now that's being honest. That little girl was just being honest. She ain't a little girl anymore. She's a young woman now, almost. But she was being honest with me. I loved it. I loved it. Tell me half your thoughts throughout the day are bad thoughts. Now, it'd be an interesting conversation to sit down with Callie and define what she thinks a bad thought is. I promise you, her bad thoughts are not my bad thoughts. Not by definition. Not by understanding. I know what wicked thoughts are. Okay? And God forbid. I hope she never has to come to it. However, what if God wanted to raise her up as a prophetess? Might she need to know some of the depths of Satan? To know how to go into those depths, Keith, and save those that are captive to those spirits? Woo, man. Come on now. I just put a prayer out there for her. That's awesome. So what if? What if God wants to raise you up as a prophet, as a prophetess? Would you have to know the true false prophet? Would you have to know Jezebel, ladies? How would you overcome Jezebel without knowing her? And you can't just sit there and try to decipher her thought. You know what really has to happen? you got to go into her. You have to be in her spirit so you can know her mind. And see, some of us come out of things like that. Oh, get me out, get me out. No, stay there and trust God. Now, if you're not ready for that, be patient. Stay true to your pastor. Let him guide you. But I promise you this, if you are being called to ministry or you're in ministry, you better believe God wants to talk to you about some of those spirits. And you're going to have to be able, be willing to sit there and have that revealed. Now, in the process of that, just like Jesus going into the wilderness, you're going to have a devil talking to you. And she is a devil she worked, worshiped the God of her father, which was the God of Baal. Right, Keith? Remember that? She worked at worship Baal. And this was the same God that Elisha took all her prophets to a mount. I think it was Mount Carmel. Took them all to the mount. And they pretty much challenged Elijah. And Elijah said, I got, I got, a, I got a challenge for you. Let's build an altar. And I'll, get, I'll let you go first. All of Jezebel's prophets, I'll let you go first. You go ahead, you build your altar and offer your sacrifice and call upon the name of your gods. And boy, they did too. They called on their gods and nothing, nothing was happening. And uh, Elijah starts to mock them. What's the matter? Your God sleeping? Is your God on vacation? Is your God deaf? He can't hear you? Get out of the way. Let me show you who God is. Now, this only comes... When God has talked to you and you know God and God knows you and you know who you are in God and God knows who he is in you. God said, uh, Elijah said, you know what? Hold on. 
put that, put that uh, sacrifice on that altar, but I, I want you to dig a trench. I want you to pour water. I think it was like 12 barrels of water. Soak it, sop it, wet, man. And then Elijah began to pray. And fire came down from heaven. Didn't only consume the sacrifice, Keith. It went off the altar and licked up the water in the trench. And all the people of Israel bowed down. Because Elijah said, whomever God answers by fire, that's the God you're going to serve, Israel. And Israel said, you're God's God. We serve him. And he had all those prophets taken down to the brook Kishon, I believe. Well, it's been a while, huh? Since I read that. And he, he took their heads. Meaning he took their authority. It's a parable. He took their authority. So Jezebel's authority was cut off in the land. Then, of course, that news got back to Jezebel. And Jezebel threatened Elijah. And Elijah took off running. What? So you can't take off running because he found himself in a cave feeling sorry for himself. This is what these spirits do. These spirits get in us and they start working sorrow. Oh, see, God doesn't love you. Let me tell you something, man. If, if, you're, if, if this is the temple, if this is the temple of God, and you're, you're in this temple as the angel of the Lord, everything outside that temple, this is heavenly, everything outside that temple of those spirits, they're taunting you, calling on you. They're blaspheming God. They're telling you you're not of God. You're not the gift of God. You're not going to make it. And they're wooing you. Come on out. Come on out. Let's fight. Let's fight. And the temptation would be what, Paula? Go out and fight, right? I mean, you got a big old sword. Couldn't you go out and fight? Couldn't you take on all those spirits? David did it, but it cost him. David went out to war. He was a man of war, and his hands were full of blood. And when he went to desire to build the temple, God said, can't do it. Didn't he, Keith? God said, can't do it. You're too bloody. You're too violent. I appreciate what you did, David, but you ain't building my house. Why? Because my house is going to be holy. He said, okay, I can't build it. I'll pay for it. And his son Solomon built it. And that's another story because Solomon got himself in trouble in some really bad ways. But here's the key. You stay in. You stay in, Brad. You stay in. And you don't let that devil draw you out. You stay in because if you stay in, this is a parable of Adam too. If Adam would have just stayed in the garden and would have eat of the trees that he was told to eat of, would he have ever fell, Marty? He'd have never fell. He'd have grown up and learned everything he needed to learn. Why is there a thought in us that we have to go out, Naomi, to learn? Why? Why, Amanda? Why, why are there thoughts in you sometimes that tell you, no, 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 you need to go out. You need to know sin. That's, the, well, that's really the only way. You don't think God can show you sin? Teach you sin? No, I need the devil to teach me sin. Wait a minute, hold on. Now, we're talking about a liar, right? So you're trying to persuade me of sin. Uh, in other words, you're telling me that if you go sit at the table of devils, you actually believe the devil is going to tell you the truth about sin. Nope. He's a liar at his very core. So be careful what spirits you listen to. 
Be careful what spirits you let taunt you. And if they do talk to you, talk back. And give it, let it be short and sweet. Give them the word of the Lord. Nope, I'm a child of God. Nope, the Lord loves me. Nope, not going out, buddy. Been there, done that, got plenty of t-shirts for that. I'm staying in this time. I'm doing what Adam couldn't do. I'm following what Jesus did. Because when he was in the wilderness and those devils started talking to him, Jesus put the word of God to him because he knew who he was, even while in that body of Adam's transgression. He was in that body of death without sin. Boy, you talk about working a high priest, Keith, being able to handle those things of the without and it not affect you. It not taint you. It not spoil you. It's like Mark 16. You shall drink any deadly thing and it will not harm you. So I can hear your, I can hear your misperceptions. I can hear your lies. I can hear, don't get offended at me now. I did this, Rick, for a long time. Brought all my weakness to him thinking that's what I had to do. I got to breathe. He needs to know my weakness. I finally caught it. This guy... Don't care nothing about my weakness. He has not judged me not even once according to the flesh. He has judged me always according to prophecy. So every time those spirits tried to attack him and oppose him, I didn't even know I was being a devil to him. I was being a devil to him. He stayed in the temple. He believed what God said because he knew God loved me. He knew it because he had witness on it. He's done the same thing for every one of you. Are you listening to me? And you say, yeah, but I I don't see him here this morning in the avatar. I got news for you. He is still with us in the Holy Ghost. And there's some other things we could say there, but we're going to wait. But trust me when I tell you, he is with us. His angel's with us, isn't he? Isn't he, Ann? Is his angel with you? Always going to be with you. That's awesome. So let me wrap this up. Didn't get to everything I wanted to, but here's the thing. Learned a long time ago that the Holy Ghost will always finish it. But I want to get to the love of God. That's what I want to get to. Dan even talked about that was one of the two things that God wanted to talk about this year. And he and I had not even discussed that previous to that comment. But God had visited me greatly on the love of God. And we want to talk about some of that this year. But listen to this. He says in verse 7. Oh, no, I don't want to skip this part. They. Hold on. Verse 4. Verse 4. You're of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world. Antichrist, false prophets, spirits, all these things. They are of the world, right? And he said, therefore, they speak of the world. You want to know how to discern a spirit, whether it be God or not? What's it talking to you about? Is it talking to you about the world? Or is it talking to you about the kingdom? Boy, if that ain't easy, I don't know what, I don't know how much easier to make that. That's pretty easy. 
you say, wait a minute, so God's not trying to get me a new house, a new car, a new wife, a new husband, a new boyfriend, new girlfriend, <laughs> a special ring, nice shoes, nice clothes. All. No, God don't care about none of that. You know what gets you all that stuff? Well, not the new wife stuff. I don't want to, I don't want to deal with that. The new clothes, the new cars. Go get a nice job and work hard. And just if that's what you want, go get it, I guess. But don't let lust consume you in those things because that'll get you too. But if it's talking to you of the world, it's always putting it into the flesh. Even your dreams. People tell me, well, I've, I've seen Rick. I've seen Dan. I've seen you. You came to me the other night in a dream. I said, what did I look like? Well, you. Like, like, like this, this avatar. I said, oh, okay. Haven't seen my angel yet. No, no, it's just you. Just, okay, good, that's fine. That's fine, no worries. Just know there's more. Just know that there is more. What I tell you a few years back, you got to get past this avatar and get to the angel. That's when you're going to know. You're going to start dealing with some things on a higher level. But here's, here's the catch even there. Do you have to discern spirits there as well? Yeah, we're not going to get into that one right now. But he said this, hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. That's powerful. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God and everyone that loveth is born of God. I'm just going to read this now because I'm done. And knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God for God is love. This was manifested the love of God. In this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love God one another no man has seen God at any time if we love one another God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us of his spirit and we have seen and do testify this is what I wanted to get to right here before we close that the father sent the son to be the savior of the world so what do you need you need a savior in that world, don't you? God sent his son to you, Tim. What he sent his son to do? He sent his son into you. God, Jesus already saved his world, bro. He already saved his world. You follow me? He came to you as a brother to teach you how to save that world in you. So what do you need in here? Do you need a savior? What about the son in you? Are you not one of the many brethren of the Lord? Is Jesus Christ? Has Jesus not already overcome? Has Jesus? I mean, what what is if if heaven's like unto a man? What is what is Jesus's heaven like? Is there still a Satan there? Is there still a devil there? Is there still unclean spirits there? What? No. It's holy and righteous and clean. What about your heaven? What about your earth? 
All right, that's enough because I've dropped enough on you here that you should be thinking a little bit, should be praying a little bit, and the Lord will help us finish it later. But how many of you believe that God loves you enough that he sent his son into your world to show you the way, the truth, and the life? To raise up 12 apostles. I get one was a devil. But he had plan B already in effect. Saul was on God's target list. The great man of sin. God had had purpose for Saul. And he changed him to Paul and became the greatest of them all in going to the Gentile, which is the most wicked of them all. Sending him to the depths of Satan to gather back all things that belong to who? That belong to God. Remember, guys. Nothing the devil stole belonged to him. It all belonged to God. You belong to God. And the story of God is telling you about the salvation of the Lord and the Savior of this world. And it's telling you a beautiful story that no matter what the devil has done, God put a plan in motion to get it back, to redeem it, to reconcile the whole world back unto himself, Keith. Amen? All right, guys, God bless you guys this morning. We love you.